Hello, 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 everybody at home with their PJs still on while they're on business conference calls. I still dress up. I get out of my PJs because I don't want to feel like a sleepyhead all day. I I pick the days where I want to do that and the days that I want to stay in the PJs or I wore a onesie the other day. That's true. You did wear a half onesie. You did it in a really cool way, like (laughs) half unzipped, tied around your waist. It was on the talk uh, interviewing, but they didn't know. They were... Just talking and you could only see me from the waist up. And then they're like, who's not wearing pants? I'm like, I'm not wearing pants. I'm wearing a onesie tied around my waist. <laughs> but to pass the time, we had some fun this week because we actually went camping in our living room. Yeah. I mean, we were looking forward to another camping trip. So we decided to camp at home. Um, so we grabbed a few sheets, some sheets, tripod pillows. Stands, we used a tripod pillows. and some chairs to make the shape of the tent. I think the thing that was fun was to actually FaceTime with nieces and nephews and show them what we had at the house yeah. to sort of inspire them to do the same thing. Yeah, it, it was bittersweet, though, because I it made me wish even more that we had the kids over to share yeah. it with. That's all right. They'll, they'll have some fun out of it. And when things go back to normal, we can see them. We'll build another tent. True. So every week we've been checking in with people, um, listeners like you, uh, some friends as well. And we just want to see what people are up to, how everyone's holding up, what you're seeing around your community, sharing good news. Um, and this week we caught up with Ellen Marie Bennett. And you're going to want to stick around to the end to hear what she has to say because it's incredible what she's doing with her company. Amazing things to really support the community and support our hardworking medical industry. Yeah, we want to hear from you guys. If you want to let us know what you've been up to at home, how you're keeping healthy and sane and happy, email us at feedback at athomepodcast.net. One thing to keep in mind, that'll come in at the end of this episode. But we also did pre-record this episode with Bobby Burke. So why don't we hop right in to our chat with the one and only Burke. Let's do it. Ready? Ooh. Ah. What are we doing? This is a a new theme for athomepodcast.net. This is Drew and Linda. (laughs) And this is... At home. At home with With Linda and Drew Scott. (laughs) How many times can we say our names? I'm Drew. I'm Linda. And together... We are at home. At home. Podcast. I didn't want to say it, but like my body was like, just say it. Just say it. Mm. Are you guys, uh, you guys realize that we're high on sugar, right? <laughs> you guys realize we're high on sugar right now. High on sugar. Too sugar, much sucra in our bodies. Uh, but it is. Uh, I don't think it's sugar. I think it's lack of sleep. Maybe a bit of both. Yeah. We, uh, it's a good mixture. I'm really excited today because we saw the response from fans from yesterday. It was the premiere episode of our new show. Celebrity IOU. With Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt called us. He wanted to give back to someone in his life who has been with him for a long time. His makeup artist, she's been on the road with him for 30 years. And so we did this renovation for her. And Celebrity IOU is all about these amazing, huge celebrities giving back to people in their lives that mean a lot to them. And so... We have coming up, we have Viola Davis, mm-hmm, Michael Bublé, Rebel Wilson, Melissa, Melissa McCarthy. McCarthy, Jeremy Renner. We have all these big talent. And I mean, honestly, if you guys didn't catch the episode last night on HGTV, you have to watch it. You have to watch it. It was so much fun. You know, we may have got tears out of Brad Pitt. Just saying. We have an amazing guest this week. I don't even have to say where he's from or what he does. All I have to say is Burke. Bobby. Bobby Burke. He's the double B. He's the big, the bad, the beautiful. The big, the bad, and the Bobby. 
He's from Queer Eye. You guys know Bobby. He's amazing. He's hilarious. He's an extremely talented designer. And he's also been fired from pretty much every job he's ever had. He needs to get an award for that. What kind of award would you get for that? A failing up award. A cake. Just a nice big cake. Oh, yeah. In the face. (laughs) A cake smash. Yeah, and, and he actually talks more about that in our new issue of Reveal Magazine. Yes, that's right. We have him. He's accompanied by Jesse Ferguson as well in the magazine. But um, yeah, it's nice to dig in a little bit more to to Bobby's life. I think a lot of people want to know more about him. He is so fascinating and such a hard worker and so loving. And he has a great beard. I like good beard game. So I should grow one out? I, good luck with that. You'll have one long... Linda has this thing. You guys, I have never seen this in my entire life. She has one eyelash... And I think it's when she's exhausted or when she's a little stressed, it grows fast. And I'm not just talking a little fast. Legit, it grows to about four inches long. It's, well, not, not four, four inches, inches, but, but I'd say good it's two weird. Inches. I have short eyelashes, but this one is, I have it right now. It's super, super long. And sometimes it goes white. It's like my only white hair. I don't have any white hair. Guys, yet. I'm not joking. I am not exaggerating. Right now, it's about an inch and a half long. It's not an inch and a half. It is an inch and a half. It's like two centimeters. Can you see how far your finger is out in front of your face right now? And you're touching it? Yeah. That's over an inch. (laughs) And your other eyelashes are like not even half an inch. (laughs) It's so weird. But then it stopped for like a year. Yeah. And then it came back. So am I I stressing you out? I think it's when I'm stressed. Stressing her out, guys. No, it's not. Well, there's good stress and bad stress. There is. Um, But yeah, if anyone knows... What the heck is up with my eyelash? Let me know because I've WebMD'd it and I know I shouldn't do that. Yeah. It's all the greens you guys are eating with your vegetarian diet. <laughs> it's like spinach. I, all I the mean, fibers. Maybe you're getting so much fiber. I think it's, it's giving me one long eyelash. I, I don't, whatever it is, I think you, it's your superpower. If you lose that lash, you lose your power. And I lash out. Anyway, let's get right into this chat with Bobby because there's lots to learn from him. And um, I'm excited for y'all to hear about how he got married. Oh, yes. I think we should all just kick back, lash out, and let's chat with Bobby. Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. I mean, what are they going to do next? They're going to start a country singing career. I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my everybody check that yeah all right well i like to control my adt smart devices like my lights my locks (laughs) my security system with google nest speakers and displays and i like to say hey google to get started listen i said ours i'm all about ours not (laughs) mine help protect what matters most with all this plus 24 7 professional monitoring from adt and a little help from google Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. Hey, 
You you didn't even know you were getting married. He's like, are you not recording? Yeah, yeah. I'll give you no. Though it was a proposal and a wedding, all at once. What? what? All right. Explain. So every oh, my year, do we know a friend of a? Uh, do you know Cabo at all? A little bit. The Palmia. No, I don't know. Uh, it's like one of the first like beautiful big resorts down there. Uh, my friend Nina's family like built the whole thing, and so they had a beautiful house in the middle of it. And every May, we just go to Nina's in Cabo. And so I just thought we were going to Nina's like we always do. And like the day before we were leaving, Dewey and our friend Nina, who were planning it together, were like, oh, um, by the way, we're going to like a white party and you need like all linen, white linen clothes. And I was like, what? They're like, yeah, yeah, think like P. Diddy, 1990 <laughs> white party. And I'm like, okay. And so Dewey and I end up getting in this huge fight in Club Monaco because I didn't realize, understand why he was being so specific about what I had to wear. And he's like, no, 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 it's white linen pants and white linen shirts. I'm like, I don't want to wear pants. I want to wear shorts and I don't want them to be white. And he's like, no, you have to. And so we got in a big fight and I ended up like leaving. At the time I still had my store in Soho and I'm like, I just went back to my store and left him at Club Monaco. And he ended up buying not white pants, blue ones like I wanted. Um, and so we get to Mexico. And again, I just thought it was any other May trip like we always do. And the year before, Every year, there's always this big bag of weed in the freezer. Like, no one's ever touched it. Don't know where it came from. It's just... Is it even weed? In, in Cabo. In Cabo, okay. yeah. At, the, at their family house, there's just this big old quart-sized bag of weed in there. <laughs> and I think, like, every year it got a little smaller, but I'm not a big weed person, so I'm like, oh, I, don't, I don't understand. So the year before, Dewey was like, oh, I'm going to make some pot brownies. And again, <laughs> neither of us are pot people, so he didn't know what he was doing. He made brownies. Oh, no. We all ate them. Nothing happened. Okay. No one got high. So the next year, I was like, the pot must be old, so you need to use more. Again, not a weed connoisseur, don't know how it works. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so I put the whole bag in oil, As and I boil it, because I heard that's what you should do. You should boil it and get all the THC out. And then I put that in a big old batch of brownies, and I make everyone eat a piece this big. And for those <laughs> of you at home, it's about a six inch by six inch by about two and a half, three inch oh, piece thick. of brownie. It's a big slice. Yes. And I was like, eat brownie. this, the pot's old, you need to eat a lot. <laughs> and again, had no idea that with edibles, you should eat like, you know, a fingernail size. Quarter size, yeah. Um, and so fast forward like an hour later, I mean, I was flat on the ground because the gravity of the planet was so strong, I couldn't get up. <laughs> so I'm like scooting my face, oh my and like God. Dewey's like pitter patter, pitter patter, and I hear him like throwing up, pitter patter, pitter patter, and then my friend Nina's running behind him because she's like, oh, he's a doctor, he knows how, he knows what he's doing, he knows how to get through it better, so he'll throw up, and so she's throw up, and then he goes somewhere else, and he Wait, throw up, is, and then she throw up. And this is this is the year of the wedding or the year prior to oh, the wedding? Oh, this is the year of the wedding. Oh my God! Yeah, get into the wedding. Um, and so, again, I'm like trying to find Dewey because I hear him throwing up. So I'm like, oh God, he's going to exacerbate on his own puke. I've got to find him. I've got to save him. So I'm like slithering through the house trying to find him. My friend Lauren, who I've been friends with for like 20-something years, is in the bedroom in the corner <laughs> shaking, rocking herself back and forth going, we're too old for this. We're too old for this. And just hysterically laughing. And then yeah. our friend Nina's like, oh God, we've got to call my doctor. We've got to call my doctor. My doctor needs to come here. My doctor has got to come here. We're going to die. We're going to die without our doctor. Um, Luckily, we talked her out of the doctor. But then I kept trying to like go to bed and go to sleep. But every time I'd get in the bed, the bed would shrink and I'd fall out on the ground. And then I couldn't get up because of the gravity. And it was like the oh my worst God. high I've ever had in my life. Like it was not fun. Like I was just like, just, just kill me. Just, I'm never going to be the same. I have completely destroyed my brain oh my like my gosh. mom said I would. Um, 
So uh, the next morning, we were supposed to go see, uh, sailing on a catamaran in the Sea of Cortez, and I woke up and I'm like, hell no. Hell no. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I am still high. I can still barely walk. But something told me, pull yourself together and get on this boat. So I'm like, how often do you get to go on a catamaran yeah. in the Sea of Cortez? So you did the high so sea. So we get to the boat, and all of a sudden, my friend Billy pops up, which who was not there before. And he's like, oh, surprise, I'm just here to surprise you. And he walks up and his whole leg is bandaged. He's what? like 6'5", 250. Um, and you know, in Mexico, how all the ATMs are in little glass rooms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He didn't see the glass and just walked right through it and cut his leg open and ended up in the ER in Mexico by himself because he was actually there to officiate our wedding and it was a surprise, so he couldn't call any of us oh, to be like, I'm in the hospital God. in a Mexican ER, help me. This sounds like a <laughs> Seth Rogen meets Adam Sandler movie. Right? So <laughs> this poor guy's like sitting in the ER in Mexico, doesn't speak any Spanish. Like I'd be surprised if Billy says hola, you know, there's like no Spanish at all. Probably like, and this is 2012, Google Translate probably wasn't so great back then either. <laughs> um, and so we go sailing. We're all like, oh, you know, as the boat's going, people are throwing up over the side. <laughs> and finally the sail comes out and it says W-Y-M-M, -M, abbreviated. And then my company, Bobby Burke Home logo. And so I just like, I just stare at it and I stare <laughs> at it. And I'm like, did, did we buy a boat? <laughs> like, is this ours? Is that why my logo's on it? And then I turn around and Dewey's on one knee with a oh. ring. And he proceeds to start reading me a poem, but like every four words, he had to like lean over the side and throw up. Oh and, then he'd, and then he'd read more of the poem and then <laughs> And then read more of the poem. Oh. <laughs> Um, so you just said, I do, just stop, yeah, stop, please stop. stop. <laughs> um, so I said, I do, everything was great. We, you know, start swimming. We start to feel a little better with the cold water and then it's time to go back and I'm thinking- Swimming in the water that you threw up in? No, I mean the boat, the boat was moving. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, we're in, we're in the, a sea, not okay. a pool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a big pool, Linda, big pool. <laughs> um, and so <laughs> as we're going back to the house, I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, you know, when are we gonna have the wedding? Where will we have it? You know, who are we gonna invite? And we pull up to the house and the front door opens and there's the wedding. Like caterers are there, photographers, wow. cake, like the whole place has been decorated while we were sailing. The wedding was happening then. That is and amazing. And I was just like, what, what's, what's going on? And I mean, at the end of the day though, I'm so happy we did it that way. Yeah. Get it out of the way. So nice. There were some friends who were a bit upset that they weren't invited, but I'm like, Nobody was invited. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, so we have the wedding, some beautiful like set up out on the beach. And then, you know, walking back down the aisle and doing photos. But then I was like, but wait, so is the white party after? And they're like, no, no, there's no party. Oh, this is <laughs> yeah, the party. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're like, no, no, this is the party. And I was like, oh. Um, that has got to be the most epic wedding story I've ever heard. <laughs> so I told that story at a live stand-up comedy show called Don't Tell Your Mother, and it went pretty well, you know. You wouldn't think that your wedding could be something you did at stand-up. No, well. At least not your no, first wedding. I think any, any good stand-up, <laughs> <laughs> only your third or fourth yeah, wedding. Yeah, yeah. No, I think any good stand-up, you pull from your personal stories, that yeah. makes it funnier that way. I think that is hilarious. Um, they had actually asked me to do it before, so Emily Hampshire, 
um, she was doing it, and she was like, oh, I want you to do it with me. But I'm like, no, 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 no. And it was like the day before, apparently, somebody, a Canadian who was scheduled to be on it, got arrested for some sexual misconduct like two days before he was supposed to be on the show. So obviously they canceled him and they wanted me to do it last minute. But I'm like, no, 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 I have never done stand-up before. I've never done something just like live by myself. So I was terrified to do it. And I'm like, and I don't have a funny story. But then like well, a yes, few weeks later, I was like, oh wait, no, the wedding. <laughs> the very first time he brought me home to LA, he um, was home for a medical convention and he told his family that I was another doctor that was at the medical convention that just wanted to come to his house to try Vietnamese food. Mm. You know, fast forward two years later when his mom found out that, oh no, I was not another doctor, just wanted to try Vietnamese food. I had already tried the Vietnamese food and I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know what, at the end of the day, I think she was more upset that I'm not a doctor Oh, then <laughs> that I'm gay. What do you mean he's not a doctor? What, what do you do? Well, if there was a doctorate for design, I think you would be. Yeah. So, design doctor. Yeah, design doctor. So how did they find out? He told them. He told them. Yeah. 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 I have a question for you. Do we do... Do. Do. Yeah. Okay, because I was going to say, do you just call him doo-doo? Is that My dad name? does. Yeah. My dad calls him doo-doo. Doo-doo. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of our best friends, she's Vietnamese, her name is Cookie. Yeah. And she's always, yeah, because um, her, her Vietnamese name is Cook, C-U-C, uh -huh. and so her nickname just became Cookie. Um, and she's always like, yeah, if Dewey and I ever got married, you know, I'd be Cookie Dough. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we have a, a friend uh, that has the, um, the same la first name, last name, got married. And oh so yeah, their last name is Kim, and yeah. her name is Kim. So she, she didn't want to take her husband's name, name because Kim. of that, but Kim Kim, you've been married now eight years? Uh, eight, yeah. Eight years. Yep, yeah, together for 16, married for eight. We I got know. married as soon as it became legal in New York. Oh, right on. Yeah. And so when, where did you start? You, I know you lived in New York for a while. You've lived in L.A. You've lived everywhere. So you're from Houston originally. Uh, born in Houston, yeah, but then a few days old, went directly to Missouri and grew up most of my life You just Missouri. packed up your bags a few days old. Loaded up the know, truck and then moved to Beverly <laughs> or Missouri. Yeah. Um, no, so my mom grew up in Houston. And so I'm actually adopted. So I'm adopted by my aunt and uncle. My biological mom was very young when she got pregnant, so her older sister and husband adopted me. So they went to Houston to get me and then took me back to Missouri. I spent a lot of my summers in Houston with my grandma and aunts and uncles, but yeah, yeah. grew up mostly in misery. So, oh. in misery. <laughs> misery. Actually, Kansas City's great. Yeah. You know, when I was told by Queer Eye that we were going to Missouri, I was like, I spent 17 years of my life trying to get out of there, and now you're making me go back. And Kansas City used to be a really rough, not nice town. It's great now. Oh, like, it's good. We were there for five, six months, and there were many days where I was like, I could live here. But then November came and it started snowing and it got yeah. cold, and I was like, no, never mind. Did oh. you grow up watching the original Queer Eye? Um, I was 22 when that came out. So yeah, I mm -hmm. still remember where I was the very first episode. Well, you have a baby face, so I thought you were just 22 now. So. Called, uh, Vietnamese doctor husband. Oh, wait, what kind of doctor? Maxillofacial surgeon. Ooh. Yeah. I was going to ask you how to pronounce that. I'm actually that. 65. Oh, <laughs> you look great you for have 65. The Asian gene now. Uh -huh. yeah. So, maxillofacial? Wait, what, is maxillofacial that? Surgery. what does that mean? Um, it's like facial reconstruction. So, like if you're in a car accident, your face is crushed, he goes in and rebuilds it. Um, oh, wow. Bone grafts for implants, um, cleft palates on babies. He usually goes to Mexico and to Asia twice a year to do um, pro bono oh. work on babies with cleft palates. Um, 
implants, complicated, like wisdom tooth extractions. So he first went to dental school and became a dentist. And then he was like, eh, that's not enough. And then he went to medical school and became an MD and a surgeon. He's a smart boy. He's a smart one, but I, I wanna dig into your past. What got you into design? What was your initial inspiration? I kind of always liked design. I was that kid, I think at like four, I redid my bedroom. You know, like a new bedspread and got dinosaur posters to match the bedspread. So your mom and dad were like, oh, great. Like, were you making good choices or was it yeah, always no, odd? I mean, I remember it was a, it was a blue bedspread and it matched one of the blue dinosaurs in the, in the poster, and then there were green and yellow dinosaurs, so I had green and yellow pillows. Yeah, I mean, wasn't bad for four or five-year-olds. I'd say it was dynamite. <laughs> oh, very nice. <laughs> we, we did the same, but I, I think we were actually pissing our parents off because we would actually completely rearrange, rearrange the living yeah, room furniture. Yeah, we would I would do that. Too. At I least would... we didn't take a sledgehammer to walls. That would be funny. Add a skylight or something like that. That would have been funny. Um, yeah, they would come home and I'd like make the living room, the dining room, the dining room, the living room, move stuff around. That they didn't like too much. And then but, I so, mean, last week I complete well over the last two months, but last week we revealed it. I completely gutted their house and remodeled it, so now they're fine with that. Yeah. So what for them? What were they most excited to have you redo for for them? Um, it started out as it was just supposed to be the kitchen, but of course you know I can't just do that. I had to do the whole house. I yeah. ripped out walls, um, did the upstairs, downstairs, a whole new kitchen, all new bathrooms, new laundry room, new mud room, new master walk-in closet, everything. Oh, yeah. sweet. Um, yeah, it started out, because it was, it was an old, old farmhouse, and the kitchen was literally falling apart. And for years, I've been like, Mom, let me redo your kitchen, let me redo your kitchen. She's like, no, 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 I can't let you do that, I can't let you do that. And then finally, about six months ago, I guess the, um, you know, the bracket that holds the dishwasher to the, underneath the counter, mm. broke. Yeah. And she called me and she's like, I have a surprise. I'm like, yeah. She's like, I'm gonna let you redo my kitchen. And I was like, oh, oh you're gonna let me, huh? <laughs> she's like, oh, I guess that came out wrong. She's like, no, no, never mind, never mind. I'm like, no. Aww. I'm like, yes, that's fine. Um, but then I'm like, I can't just like give you a new kitchen and let oh, the rest of it yeah. look like crap. Well, so nothing's worse in a house than, you know, you walk in. Like people do this all the time when they're selling their home. They're like, oh, people love the kitchens and bathrooms, so I just renovate those two spaces. But then you walk in and the whole house looks shitty, except yeah. for the kitchen and bathroom. Then it actually makes the other areas look worse. So, no, that's great. We, we renovated our parents' place a few years ago, and it was the same thing. We wanted to make sure that they had the right house, a place that they loved. They, they were in there for a little bit, so they kind of get used to things, what doesn't function for them, and then we came in and totally overhauled it. Yeah, it would have probably been cheaper for me just to bought them a new home, honestly. Compared to L.A., yeah. so... The house in Missouri, is it like 50 grand compared to the same house here would be 500,000? Uh, no, I think it's like probably worth 150 grand. But yeah, here it would be like half a million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my sister and her husband, they live in a six bedroom, five bath, big brick home on 30 acres with oh multiple barns. And I think they might've paid three for it. Jeez. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. Help protect what matters most with 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. You said that very professionally. I try. <laughs> Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help you make your home smarter and safer. <laughs> Now, 
where, where did you learn? Did you go to school for design or I did you? I dropped out of high school at 15. So I left home the little town of Mount Vernon and then I enrolled myself in Kickapoo, Brad Pitt's high school. Um, but I quickly learned I was not able to eat or pay rent and go to school. So I'm like, oh, I'll drop out for you know a semester and then go back. But then I started selling long distance service for the MCI as a telemarketer. I was making really good money. I'm like, I, ne- I don't need to go back to school. I'm going to sell long distance forever. <laughs> like, this is a great career. So you were this slimy salesperson that would randomly call me and try and sell me on something I didn't want. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Just wanted to verify. <laughs> Clarify. <laughs> <laughs> it did- was fun. It, wasn't, it was more like an acting gig to me. I do different accents and like, yeah, it was fun. So what were your most frustrating early jobs and what were the ones you loved the most? Uh, I worked at gas stations, like overnight, um, Applebee's for years, The Gap, The Bombay Company, Express, Structure, um, The Body Shop. Did you get fired yeah, from Yeah, I think so. Did, now what, what, what was, <laughs> it's got funny, fired? I got fired from Target and now I'm like, <laughs> now I'm your spokesperson. <laughs> and it was funny because I went to that Target back home two weeks ago where I got fired from and I also worked in the Applebee's like in the parking lot I lived in the apartment complex right next to it and I'm shopping like they're late to get stuff and like people start following me around and like you know the the fans who are who think they're slick like you don't notice them following you around and you don't hear them giggling and so finally I'll just turn around I'll be like did you guys want to get a picture they're like oh my god you knew we were following I'm like yeah, like, and so finally by the time I got up to the register, there was like a group of like 15, 20 people standing at the front door waiting to like get pictures with me. But then um, as I would like got out to my car after all that, this woman pulled up and like parked in like a spot like across the aisle and she comes up, she's like, can I ask you something weird? And I was like, well, you just did, so keep going. Um, and she's like, who are you? And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, I've... I was in there and I saw all those people following you around and there's all those people taking pictures. Who are you? I was like, oh, I'm just Bobby. And she's like, but wh- what? I was like, oh, I used to, I used to work at this Target. I got fired. Um, I used to work at this Applebee's right here. I used to live right here in this apartment. And she's like, but they, just because you worked at that Target? And I was like, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm on Queer Eye. And she's like, oh, I know you. I only worked there for a day. Really? Yeah. So all those jobs you listed off I, I marked that I had never been arrested, and uh, I had. Um, and so, yeah. Wait, my, it was just your... for unpaid speeding tickets. Yeah. You know, when you don't oh. pay your speeding tickets in America, you get warrants out for your arrest, and then you get arrested, and you get taken to jail, and then you get more fines and more tickets. And when you're poor, they just keep adding up, and you can never afford them, which is why there's so many people incarcerated in our country. But that's a whole other podcast. That's, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> feel any, any pent-up frustration with that at all. Uh, uh, the system of our country that just... Keeps it's poor like, people poor. It's like yeah. Joker. Yeah. Did I haven't seen watch? it. No, oh. I haven't seen it. I, it's like your brother. I have ADD. I can't sit through movies. Oh, really? No. I love movies. I do. And I mean, Joker's a phenomenal movie, but it's very real and it's very scary how real it is. Well, it was just very scary to see how quickly things build up. Mm-hmm. So with all these jobs that you listed off, so most of those were just a day here, a week there, you just couldn't no. hold on to the early jobs? I was definitely a firm believer in moving to different jobs, moving up, because yeah, you move up quicker, you get actually get paid more, like, because when you work there, you get, like, a, maybe a little pay raise every year, yeah. you know, but when you start a new job, you usually get market rate, right. mm. so I learned that quickly, move up quick, hmm. get paid more, get higher, better titles, and out of all those other jobs that you've done, which was the most inspiring job that did help set you on the path that you're on now? Cute story. <laughs> I used to work for the Great Indoors. Do you know what that is? It was this big, massive home store, like 
anything. Have you ever been to a Nebraska Furniture Mart? Yeah, you've been to a Nebraska Furniture Mart. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a Nebraska Furniture Mart, but not quite as big. Um, it was owned by, I think it was owned by Sears. Um, but I worked in the drapery department. And so I remembered stocking those Umbra curtain rods. You know Umbra. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Toronto. Or Toronto. 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 Got yelled at for putting that extra T in there the other day. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, Umbra was like, oh, this company is huge. And then fast forward like 10 years later, Paul, the founder, like him and I having dinner together. And it was like a very surreal moment. Um, and then after that, that's when I moved to New York at 21. And my first job was restoration hardware. Managed, I was the design manager there at the one at Flatiron in New York. Mm-hmm. I actually got fired from there the day Tom Felicia was upstairs filming Queer Eye. What did you oh. do that was like, day? Big mistake. Huge. <laughs> um, uh, the night before, I was in charge of getting the store ready, and we ended up staying like four hours over, and we all forgot to clock out. And so the next morning, I went in, and the GM had clocked us out when she thought we left at eight, even though we left at midnight. Oh. And so I went in and like fixed all of our time, including my own, which was against the rules. And they had just fired somebody like the week before for changing their own time. And so she had to fire me. Uh-huh. Like it wasn't like she didn't want to. Right. Yeah. To this day, like her and I still keep in contact. Oh, that was yeah, simple. yeah. 18, 17, 18 years ago. And when sign. I got cast on the show, she actually messaged me and she's like, aren't you glad I fired you? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It was a sign. You've yeah. still been there. So I, I heard too um, that the day you were supposed to audition for mm-hmm. Queer Eye, your power went out, you couldn't do anything at home, you had a horrible audition you did from your workspace, so what was that whole story? Um, it was a Skype audition, you know, I had like a cute little area set up in the apartment, and like, oh, looking all good, and then the power went out in the building, so no internet, no nothing. So I jumped in my car and drove to my office as fast as I could, which was only like a mile away. Um, and then I got there like all hot and disheveled because it was hot outside and like the wall behind me was black and I'm super pasty so I just I looked horrible <laughs> as well and um, I just did not think it went well but apparently it did. Apparently it did. <laughs> so so you hadn't met any of the cast before no, Queer we Eye? No, we each other before. Yeah. We yeah. all met the very first day of casting. And did you hit it off right away? Um, Tan and Karamo and I, I think Tan and I first and then like within a few minutes Tan and Karamo and I did. Um, and we just, it was like a three-day casting experience. Um, <laughs> it's like Hunger Games meets American Idol meets Drag Race. Um, and so, I'd watch that. <laughs> yeah, we, we were the first three that clicked. I think Tan and I, I don't know, I probably thought Tan was hot, and that's why I like sat next to him. Um, <laughs> Tan is hot. <laughs> right? Um, and then Karamo and I, and then... Jonathan and then Anthony and we just we all naturally really had a chemistry and I know that was probably one of the big factors of us yeah. all getting cast was all the executives could see that we really truly did like each other mm-hmm. um, and like we'd go into private auditions and then we'd come back and like the five of us were like sharing what was going on in the other rooms where there was a lot of people there that were like they were in it to win it they were yeah. like they were not sharing they were not helping and we were just like Especially Tan and I, we never thought we were going to get this. Tan's always says, he's like, I just came to make gay friends because I didn't have any gay friends. (laughs) Um, And so we were just like, we're never going to get this. So we might as well just like be nice people and help everybody out and have a good time with this. So what year was that? Uh, That was uh, the last week of February in 2017. Oh wow! So yeah. this much explosive yeah, we're on growth. season seven, and then it's not even been two years. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, our show hasn't even been out two years. It'll I be like... it'll be two years on February seventh. And you've already won 
Emmys. Seven Emmys. That's so crazy. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And well, especially when you're also filming over in Japan for months. And How then, was that? It was amazing. It was kind of re-energizing, you know, because spending, I talk like we've been doing this for years. It's not even been two years yet. Um, but, but you know, it was as many seasons as we've shot so quickly in middle America, it was kind of becoming a bit of the same. Yeah. Um, so it was nice to be in Japan because it was, everything was new. It was like the first season again, you know, like having to figure out all the stuff with design. Like I've gotten kind of on autopilot with the process yeah. of what we need to do to make the design happen. Um, but in Japan, that process was completely thrown out the window. Why Japan? Um, we thought it was because we were huge over there, but apparently no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and then, uh, like you guys were bigger than everyone else. Like, exactly, yeah. We're taller, taller yeah. Japan. But you just um, wanted to you wanted to one up Marie Kondo. Exactly. Yeah. Um, to come over to her turf. No, um, Netflix is just they're they're really expanding their reach in Japan. They're doing a lot of original content with Japan. Um, and I think that we were just kind of like that bridge where they wanted to bring us to Japan to film episodes there to kind of just get more awareness of Netflix. Mm -hmm. huh? And how yeah. is designing different? I mean the spaces are extremely small. Yeah, so you it's know, a lot I think of multi spaces is like three hundred square feet. Oh, yeah. in terms of like and you also you can't paint the walls. You can't put any you can't hang anything on the walls. You can't do anything to the floors, like nothing. So I had to go in and like build a room inside of the rooms, like build loft beds and like drawers and stairs and because in rentals you can't do oh. anything. Wow. Like the they're all apartments are just devoid of any personality because you can't do anything to them. It feels good when you get it right. Yeah. Was their design sense different there in terms of like they're How definitely minimalists, yeah. which I personally am. Like, I love that. I, I feel very at home in Japan. We spent a lot of time there. Um, but yeah, definitely more minimalist. I kind of felt bad going in there, like, putting in so much stuff into their places. Yeah. <laughs> just because for TV, it, it needs to pop. Yeah. Um, I'm just like, oh, God, I'm just like... So much consumerism I'm putting in these people who were so minimalist before. <laughs> um, You've corrupted them, basically. I, I know. Um, and there was one, the first house we did was actually larger. It was a traditional Japanese home. And I actually came under a lot of fire because I covered up the, the traditional like sand, Japanese sand walls. Mm. People were like, oh, you just went in there with shiplap, which I think is the very first time I've ever used shiplap. <laughs> I'll leave that up to Miss Joanna. Um, and uh, people were like, oh, you know, you went in there and Americanized it. You ruined the house. I'm like, what you don't know is those sand walls were disintegrating. Yeah. And the house was extremely cold because it couldn't be insulated. And the only way, you couldn't paint them, you couldn't do anything. I'm like, the only way to keep her house from falling apart was to put shiplap over it. So uh, international, though, you guys have a massive Brazilian following. Yes. I was very shocked. I think it's like a number third or, third or fourth country for oh, fans. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's we... US, UK... Canada, Brazil. US, it used UK, to be Australia, Canada. but now Brazil surpassed Australia. Yeah, actually, we had the same. So our um, originally our show launched in Canada, and then it came to the US, and then it was Australia, and then it came to 160 different countries. Uh, but Latin America, we did a tour this past year, and we felt like Lady Gaga going to Brazil. It was we felt in Australia. Oh it was yeah, insane. We went to Canberra. And again, our show hadn't even been out that long when we were in Australia. We went to film an episode there, and we're sitting in this little restaurant, and like I insta-story, because again, we were used to being able to do that, 
And within like five minutes, the whole restaurant got swarmed. There was a university down the street and they were in the middle of finals. And one of them saw my Insta story and realized where we were. Wow. And like the police had to be called. Like it was crazy. Oh, wow. So how do, do people compare you to the original Queer Eye cast um, because of the oh. show or do they just see you as a full, fresh new show? I think in the beginning, especially before the show came out, they definitely did. I don't, I don't really think they do it all wow. anymore. Yeah. It's, a, it's a completely different show. It is. Yeah. It's a different show. It's a different vibe, and the yeah. connection of you guys is so different yeah. as well. I love yeah. it. Anytime yeah. I need a good cry, I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have uh, so uh, Bobby Burke Home came out? You launched that in 2007, right? Um, the I opened my first store in 2007. I launched it online in 2006. Oh, okay. So I was working for a company called Portico. Um, they were a home design company. Um, Long story short, they went bankrupt. I had built their e-commerce division though, so when they went bankrupt and I had no job, I cloned their e-commerce database and I registered bobbyburkhome.com. I'm like, maybe I'll sell a sofa or two while I look for another job. Um, and that was... Smart. Yeah, 2006. And did you sell that sofa? Um, you know Gus. Gus, mm -hmm. they're from Toronto. It's a furniture company. Oh, Gus, oh yeah, that's Gus that's modern. You know my buddy um, Gus? Yeah, you know. <laughs> like, you're Canadian. You should know Gus. Um, Gus. So Gus Modern was one of the furniture brands that I sold on my website that originally Portico had sold. And when I launched BobbyBrookHome.com, I got an email from the owner of Gus Modern saying, um, cease and desist, take our product off your website. Like, we don't have a relationship with you. You have no authorization to sell our product. Because back then, furniture companies would not sell to online-only retailers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was like, please give me a chance. Please just give me a month. And then like fast forward like two years after that, we were their number one US retailer. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Aren't you glad you gave me a chance? What's your next big adventure? What, what's exciting you for what's coming up? Uh, I'm coming out with the second collection of my furniture line. So we're in about 250, 300 stores already wow. in the US. We're in China, Vietnam, Malaysia, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Panama, Costa Rica. Um, we have a new collection coming out in spring and the launch at High Point and then be in stores probably like July, August. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting. I'm working on a book Ooh, um, that will be out probably, hopefully, sometime this year. Bio? Uh, no, I don't want to do Design a bio. Design book? Or? No, like everyone's like, why didn't you do that? Because like, all the other boys have done a book. And so yeah. constantly I get tagged in photos with pictures of like all their books. And everyone's like, why didn't you do a book? Why didn't you do a book? I'm like, so. I still own a design firm that I work full-time at. Um, I just launched a furniture collection that's in about 16 countries. Um, I have an art collection. I have a wallpaper collection. I have a rug collection. That's my book. So why haven't you <laughs> yeah. a book yet? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's my book. The other boys, they don't have companies. You know, Tan did before, um, but he was actually very lucky. He was in the process of selling his company. He owned a fashion company. Um, as he got cast, him and his husband were going to start a family. And so he was like selling the company so he could like stay home with the kids. And so he was very lucky that he now just deals with entertainment like he doesn't have to deal yeah. with it. Yeah. I'd say you're lucky though too. I mean, it's nice to stay busy and you have these other revenue streams exactly. on top of the passion yeah. projects for, for TV too. Yeah, the TV is just the engine that fuels it. Mm -hmm. I think we should bring you in as our other property brother. Yeah. There's Jonathan, there's JD, there's me, and then you can join the force. I'm adopted. You can just be like, oh. I'll we adopt you. We, we, he found out that he's actually really our brother. Yes, we, we did a blood <laughs> test. We have the same beards. I mean, obviously, we're related. We have the hey, same I pasty mean, white skin. I am like 80% British, Irish, Scottish, so. Done. I Could think be. we must be related. <laughs> Except for you can't do a Scottish accent to save your life. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us.
it's so funny. Like I am, I'm really good with a Vietnamese accent. My husband hates it, but like all his family, all his friends are like, we actually have a Vietnamese friend who's an actress and she grew up here her whole life. So she has no accent, but she was auditioning for a Vietnamese role where she needed an accent. And she came she to me you? to you help her with coach? her Vietnamese accent. Give us a line. Show us a line. No, I'm not going to do it. No, because now I get like called out for being racist. No, but my no. parents were born in Vietnam, so, and you're married to. Yeah, Vietnamese you're married to a Vietnamese you're, you're man. Allowed. You're allowed to give us an example of how you coached this actress with her accent. Honey, honey, Vietnamese like this, you know, you have to have a butt day. You but know, it's very jerky. That almost sounded a little southern. <laughs> Every once in a while it goes a little southern. <laughs> Better than a Scottish okay. accent. But not as good as my, my stitch accent. Your What's the stitch, stitch accent? accent? Ohana means oh. family. Family means no one gets left behind oh. or forgotten. That is amazing. This is my family. It's little and broken, but still good. Yes, still good. I'm going to submit this for an audition for you for a new Disney movie or Pixar. Uh, Whoever will take that's you. That's one of my dreams. That's to adorable. Add that in there. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yo, honestly, with the bass in your voice as well, you would be amazing for voice work. I know you've done some commercial work and whatnot, but... Uh, I'm, I'm now gonna be your agent and we're gonna sell you. We're gonna yeah. put you on this. <laughs> I, did, um, I did something with Kate McKenna last year and she was like, once I started talking in the microphone, she was like, Bobby. She's like, why are you doing this all the time? You know? New like, one that make it happen, work. Kate. Come on. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming to chat with us. This has been a lot guys. of fun. Uh, I'm going to be running out there to buy your next collection that comes out too, because yes. we have all these houses for the shows we have to furnish. I would love to put some of your hey, product in there. Love to give you some. And I want to work with you on these accents too. <laughs> like we've got to get that. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> all right, Adele. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming down. Of course, thanks, thank guys. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Now let's eat. Eat. I think that's so awesome that Queer Eye got to shoot in Japan. I've always wanted to film in Japan because, like, renovating houses, it's so unique. It's so different there. Mm -hmm. Maybe one day that's something we can do with Property Brothers. I would love to do an international brother versus brother season. Ooh. Castle yes. versus castle. Wait, hold on a second. I got to do it. How do you say brother versus brother in Japanese? This will be good. Yeah. Kyodai is going down. <laughs> <laughs> I can actually, so that was my one talent when I was uh, doing karate, Shotokan karate. It's a Japanese style karate and I could count to like a hundred in Japanese. Do you Itch, remember how to do it? Itch, nisan, shi, go, roko, sichi, hachi, ku, ju. That's one of ten. Ju itch, ju ni, ju san, ju shi, ju go, ju roko, ju sichi. And that's counting... Yeah, and just keeps, and it's like Niju, Sanju, and that's keep going. I, I I'm <laughs> lost. Maybe now I can get up to forty five. <laughs> but yeah, it would be super cool to film in Japan or anywhere outside the country, does outside Mar of Canada and U.S. Does Marie Kondo shoot in Japan? Mm, no, does she? I don't know. I would love to meet her. Can we talk about Bobby getting married and not even knowing that he was go showing up to his own wedding? That is. Unbelievable. Can you imagine that? If What if I just whisked you away to Italy and you had no idea what was happening and we had the 305 family and friends out there and you just showed up, you thought it was a little getaway for us and then everyone was there. Would you have still walked down the aisle and said, yes, I do? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Phew. <laughs> I was worried. Uh, what would it, so 
if you, when you were younger, if you had ideas of a dream wedding, some sort of dream escape wedding, was it just in a beautiful backyard or was it mm-hmm. a destination? So I, I got that question a lot when we were planning our wedding a couple of years ago and I didn't really have an answer because I never really dreamt about getting married as a kid. Like I, I dreamt about designing wedding dresses and, and planning weddings, but I never was like, Oh, I want, I want to get married in a castle or I don't know. I just never dreamt about that. I find that so fascinating because you're such a dreamer about everything. I mean, you come up walking to the bathroom to do your hair and you'll come up with some fantastic First elaborate all, idea. That the beginning of that story is flawed because me going into the bathroom to do my hair. Look at my hair right now. Who are you yes, talking about? True. Your hair looks like the Dr. <laughs> Seuss, oh, the places you go. Floppy Mountain. Uh, but anyway, no, it's, uh, I, I always assumed that you would have been the one to dream up this big wedding. I even did as a kid. I thought of like cool things for a wedding. and I don't know. I just never thought that far ahead. It's not that it wasn't something I wanted, but I wouldn't say it's something that I had yearned for. So what would you have dreamt about when you were younger? Like... One day I want to blah, blah, blah when I'm big and successful. Would it be like where you live, like the house? Would it be the clothes you wear? Would it be the people you're around? What's something big that you would dream about? Um, I mean, my dreams would change all the time, so nothing's changed. Uh, I would dream of being a gymnast, a shoe designer, um, traveling the world. Mm. So many amazing things. Yeah. Or, or being an artist, whatever that meant, because I think everyone's an artist. In their own way. Everyone's creative in yeah. their own way. So um, basically what we need to do is we'll just, I'll get Lori Hernandez over to give you some tips on the gymnast Done. side of things. You can maybe join the U.S. Olympic team or the oh, Canadian yeah, yeah. Olympic team. Easy peasy. That's it. That's all it takes. Yeah. I, I took gymnastics for one year in grade three or four. And I had signed myself up and I was already so old. I could have retired from gymnastics by then. (laughs) And I was in level one with like (laughs) five-year-olds. Well, you look at someone like Simone Biles, who's like the veteran. And she's been in gymnastics her whole life. But she's, how is it? She's 22. And, and she's how many times she's won gold medals and everything Incredible. like that. I did tumbling when I was younger, so I could roll around. That's, tumbling like yeah. flips and stuff? Yeah, you do like dive rolls, and, and but not full flips. It was just like rolls. And Well, anyway, we're going to go off and stretch because I yeah. feel old now that I can't do any of those things. We can do it. Yes. Um, Drew, you, you said you want to do a backflip, right? I, like that's I do. That's one of your bucket list items for it physical is. goals. I hope I don't hurt myself, but you know, when you strap up to the little like thing that will let you flip, my fear is dropping on my head. Well, yeah. Anybody's fear is. So as long as I have those little hooks onto my hips and I can still flip, I'll do it. It's just scary like going off of those. Well, exactly. All I want is to get in the back of my head. But not the, the back of your head. Yes, don't want to hit the back of my head, but I want the knowledge of how to do it. And once I feel I know how to actually throw my legs over and, and whatnot, then I'll be comfortable taking off the hooks. In my head, I can do it so well. And I've, then when my body tries to do it, it's like... Well, you're the only person in, in the planet who diving in, you're doing a flip into that pit of foam, 
we were actually at a parkour facility and uh, this fun place, and Linda smacked her head on the side of the mm-hmm. of the. I was the told pit. it's impossible, so I made the impossible happen. So you are a superhero. <laughs> it all comes around. <laughs> Ding dong. It's a British doorbell. Ding dong. Ding dong. It's a Queen's doorbell. <laughs> okay, we you have a message. <laughs> okay, we have mail slash Instagram comment from G Christina twenty five. She says, I really enjoy the podcast and it makes me smile and laugh and think about how to better myself for my kids and my family. Thanks for continuing to share. Well, thank you so much. Thank Gee, you for Christina, continuing to share. Christina, thanks for writing in. Let's jump right in. This is our call that we had this week with Ellen Marie Bennett, who is doing some really amazing things. Hi, guys. Hi, hey. hi. How are you? Look uh, at that lovely well, bandana. <laughs> oh, thank you. I had to put it on after... Uh, a long day and I just got home and I got tacos 1986 had two zoom calls and now I'm talking to you guys at 10 p.m. Holy busy you're busier at home than you were outside of home. (laughs) Yeah it's just like one long week and weekend these days it's all just together. You've been at your office pretty much all hours of the day right? Yes yes we've dramatically changed our uh company's workflow in the last three weeks uh to say the least tell everyone who's listening what your company does or did do and what you've shifted focus to now that we're all in isolation and to help out our medical field and everybody yeah so my company's name is headley and bennett i've had it for about eight years and we normally make really wonderful aprons and workwear for the culinary world and beyond so think like everything from Proper aprons to jackets to chef coats, socks, shoes, you know, jumpsuits, etc. And about three weeks ago, we realized that there was a severe crisis happening, as I think did the whole world. But I saw it even more so because I had been in New York and I was coming back home and I saw what an impact it was having there. And when I returned, my team was totally scared and they were like, what's going on? Like COVID-19 and And, uh, you know, a few days into that, we were starting to see companies close their doors and start to work remotely. And um, then Governor Cuomo put out a call on on Twitter and he was like, we need supplies. Whoever can make face masks, we need you to do it. And Christian Siriano chimed in and Christian made my wedding dress. So I saw that tweet and I saw that post and I was just like, I can't not do anything about this. I need to jump in too. So it was a really spontaneous, uh, serendipitous moment where I made this decision and my entire team just jumped right on the bandwagon with me. And we, you know, we have a 16,000 square foot factory here in Los Angeles, which is really rare, right? You don't typically have a brand that's making things in the United States. And on top of that, we're fully vertical, which means our shipping, distribution, cutting, sewing, everything is in the same building. Wow. That's so our ability to like execute on this was we had all the, we have the skill set, we have the workers, we have the team, we have the know-how and we have fabric that's really high quality that we were already using for our own product line. And we just mobilized and said, we got to do this. And we have a mutual friend, Joy Cho. So I called Dr. Bob. And I was like, Dr. Bob, you are a straight shooter. I know that if I call Dr. Bob and he's like, no, it's not a good idea. And I called him and he said, no, but then he, he was like, but I'll call you back. I have all these calls to get to. And by the time he called me back, which was about six hours later, 
I had already made all the designs and patterns. And I was like, well, let, let me just show you what I've been working <laughs> on while you've been off doing meetings. And the crazy thing is, while he was gone in all his meetings, he had meetings with his own team where they were saying, we're running out of supplies. Mm. Yeah. So he came back with a whole new perspective. Just six table. hours later. Just six hours later, his own team was telling him, we are running out of supplies. We need these masks now. Wow. So it went very quickly from just an idea to like a necessity and something that we we just felt like we had to do. This. Yeah. And, and how did you for the actual material? Because, you know, just a cotton doesn't work for what you need for a face shield. So um, have, have you adapted the materials or did you already have the materials that do work perfectly for what you need for a face mask? Yeah. So again, the stars in a really wild way aligned because we already make workwear. We already are lunatics about quality and anything we make, we like stand behind it. And when I first started Headley and Bennett, I teamed up with chefs because I was a chef myself. And I said, what do you hate? What do you love? What do you need? What's working? What's not working? And I did the exact same thing with Dr. Mm. Bob. I was, I on FaceTime was like, what can I change on it? How, what else does it need? He's like, it needs a space for a filter. It needs to be hundred percent cotton. It needs to be double, double paneled. It needs to be able to go around the ears and be comfortable enough and, and long enough so that like bigger and smaller heads can work. It should be, you know, arranged on the nose. So it goes over it, but not too high. Cause then it gets, you know, near yeah. your eyes. You want to be able to wash it. Then you just like rattled all the things off and I'm like frantically taking notes and adjusting. And I had my sewing team around me and my production managers. And I'd be like, okay, tienes que agarrar la tela de acá y luego pones esto. And I'd be like, all right, Dr. Bob, what do you think about this? And they're all just like standing right there while we're all showing Dr. Bob on FaceTime. Like, how does this look? What do you think? And, and that's how we pulled it together. It's wow. just sort of like in times of necessity, you figure it out. And all these things that stand in the way of progress just kind of like get flung out the window and you make it work because yeah. that's what you have to do. Yeah. yeah. And, and today or so far, you've, you guys have distributed how many masks? Was it like a hundred thousand? So we've manufactured and had over a hundred thousand masks wow. donated in the wow. last basically two and a half weeks. Um, that's crazy. And again, that's from us having been a workwear brand three weeks ago, you know, where we were not manufacturing anything remotely like that. And now our company is solely making face masks. That is all we're producing. And I think one of the beautiful things about it is we couldn't have done it without our community. I mean, you guys have seen on Instagram, mm -hmm. it's just like a groundswell of people because we're doing a buy one, donate one model. And as a small business, like I couldn't, I couldn't do it alone. Yeah. yeah. And so by doing, you know, you buy one for yourself, which means you get to take care of yourself. But at the same time, you're helping us be able to distribute a mask to someone on the front lines. And we've already been able to donate masks to like Shriners Hospital, Dr. Bob, and other Shriners hospitals in the country. Uh, we've done a bunch of stuff for Cedars and mm. Brownsville Hospital and just all these different places all over the country that have reached out to us and said, we need your help. Um, Children's Hospital got a couple thousand last week wow. and the list goes on. Um, and it's really, it's a, it's very powerful to be able to come together with your community that in some ways, you know, you, you have all these people that they interact with you on Instagram and you don't know them in real life, but like something like this makes you come together at a yeah. whole new level. It is such an amazing thing that, that you and your company has done because 
you know, you're, you're filling this void where they thought, you know, even if people were starting to try and help, it would take a lot longer to get that sort of volume going, but you were ready to, to make a shift. And then, like you said, with the support of the community, because you, you're still running a business, you have people there that still need to survive on their own. They need to make a living while they're helping support the community. And I think that's great that it's everyone coming together to support everyone. So Mm -hmm. totally. And, and, you know, since we started this, we've been, I, I was actually talking to my head of production today. I was like, how many jobs, like how many people do you think are being employed just overall the ripple effect of, of everybody around us? And she's like, well into 300 people. And this, our team is 40 people on a normal, like a day to day, we're a team of 40. So that, that means there's all these people uh, in, in addition to our own sewing teams that are working with us and producing everything from our labels to our, you know, different raw materials, getting them sourced, bringing them in, other sewing teams that are working with us locally. Like we've been able to employ several sewing groups in Los Angeles outside of our factory because our factory can't keep up with the volume. Wow. That's amazing. It's so, so cool to see the, the synergy of everyone just yeah. really coming together. Oh, it's the wildest silver lining in all of this is yeah. that we're taking a time to pause and to really kind of analyze our priorities, I think, as humanity in general. And we're being able to rally in a way that I don't think we've ever done before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like everyone's being affected by this. It's, it doesn't matter if you're like you're rich or you're poor or you're white or you're black or you're, you know, you live in Mexico or you live in Europe. It's like we're all being affected by this Mm -hmm. and we are all in it together and that's pretty humbling for the whole world to be doing that yeah Yeah. you you have a motto wake up and fight where did that come from it's one of my favorite mottos ever and and you know i think as an entrepreneur you guys are entrepreneurs it's you are constantly battling things that nobody even knows about and every day it's like fire hose in hand what are you going to tackle And so in many ways, I mean, COVID is the wildest, craziest thing I think we've all experienced by a long shot, but you, we've experienced layers of that, right? Just in our careers and in our lives. And I always say, wake up and fight because it just means like, if you, if you're there and you have another shot in another day, like it's in you get out there and get it. Like it's up to you, whatever happened before happened, but like you can't change what occurred. You can sure as hell change what's going to happen in the future. And I just get up every day with that same vigor. My husband always laughs at me. He's like, most people get up in the morning, like put one pant on at a time, one leg (laughs) at a time. And I like leap into my pants. I'm like, (laughs) dive roll into your pants. Drop and roll out of my house. Oh my gosh. Um, that's great energy, though. I mean, honestly, I think that's the kind of energy that really helps change the world. I think it's that energy that helps pull people together. Uh, people gravitate towards that kind of spirit and energy. So thank you so much for everything that you're doing to support our community, which is the world. Thank you. And if for anybody that wants to follow along on the adventure, I am using Ellen Marie Bennett. That's my Instagram as the like voice of the whole project and then Headley and Bennett is all of our workwear adventures and is super fun and colorful but if you want to if you want to participate or be a part of it or buy a mask or donate a mask you can go there and to our website headleyandbennett.com guess who just set up her sewing machine and we've been watching your Instagram lives to be a part of all the action yeah I just looked at your your template designs Mm -hmm. and I'll order the filters from think crucial oh yeah Oh my God, you're on it, girl. <laughs> We're in it. That's Linda, 
Wake up and bite. Wait, what was this? What was the saying again? <laughs> That's right. That was pretty good. Pretty close. <laughs> close, close. Thanks Wait, put again. on your put on your mask and show us. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I haven't even showed you the mask. Okay, so here it is. It's got a little. It's got a filter space in the back and a little spot that says "Worn loudly and proudly by," so that your mask doesn't get mixed up with other people's. And just some things to know when you put your mask on, you want to make sure it's snug on your face, right? So I like to like pull it back. Mm-hmm. And then got our little logo or ampersand on the side, and we're working on our next iteration that will have a metal wire on the top, so it, it can squeeze your nose even better. Yeah. And Dr. Bob always says, wash your mask after you use it. You only wear it once, you wash it, and then you wear it again. Ah, Very cool. Good to know. Well, thanks awesome. for everything, and Thank we will you see so you much. on Instagram. Okay. Bye. Thank guys. You. Thanks. Bye. Well, thanks again, everybody, for joining us. I guess we'll be here to be heard again next week. Yeah, thanks for joining, and we'd love to hear from you to see what you guys are all up to. Hopefully, we can hop on a call together. So hit us up, feedback at athomepodcast.net, or hit us up, DM us on Instagram. Well, thank you so much, Brandon Angelino, our podcast producer. Thanks to Annalie Bell, our researcher. Also to Victoria Shaw and Chad Carlson for our lovely music, Feels Like Home. Feels Like Home. And to you, B. Drewby. <gasps> Me? For being you. Oh. That's enough. For being the queen. Thank you to you, Linda. <laughs> I like how your posture changes and your head tilts forward and like... I have to Ooh. change my posture <laughs> when I use this voice. I can do great voices. All right, sign off in your one of your great voices. Right, Linda. <laughs> this is my cockney. I thank you for hanging up with me and putting up with my accents. Love you, Gov. Talk to you later. Tootaloo. Cheerio. Cheerio now. Off to get my crumpets. Oh, my gosh. Want some tea? Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. ADT <laughs> now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT is awesome and believes that the smarter the home, the safer the security. I can't wait to see what they do next. They're going to put Google Nest doorbells on the moon. <laughs> dun, dun. Actually, I'd like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with our Google Nest doorbell. I do love how when we're out at dinner, we can see exactly what's going on at the front door. And we can control our ADT smart devices like... Lights, locks, the security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. Mm-hmm. All you have to say is, hey, Google, to get started. Well, I think it's great for people to help protect what matters most with all of this. Plus, 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. Hey, Google.